0: Okay, Uh, so um, tonight we're going to talk about truth claims, which I think will be interesting and um, hopefully enjoyable for us, just as we always do every week, a very quick recap where we've been. We talked about um, our problem and how our context and Jesus's context in terms of uh, division were very similar. Um, We talked a little bit about Jesus's solution to identity-based politics, which would be a, a kingdom of God worldview, seeing things through the lens of God's kingdom. We talked about Jesus challenging us to move beyond the overly simple ideas about people issues in theology and embrace complexity. We talked about the power of imagination, um, how Jesus calls us to imagine um, beautiful stories from a kingdom of God worldview. And last week, we talked about Jesus equipping us to avoid distractions, um, which are often the now, and focus on substance, which are often the later. Uh, So... Tonight we're going to talk about truth claims, and um, I want to begin by thinking about one of my favorite books. Um, uh, and and uh, my favorite book is um, uh, 1984 uh, by George Orwell. Who? Anybody read 1984? Okay. Some some people have read that one. Okay. All right. So if you're not familiar, it's it's a it's a dystopian future, right? So it's a future that's really pretty horrible, uh, and. Orwell imagines that there are three mega nations, right? Oceania, um, which is the the capital of which is in, in modern day England, and then Eurasia and East Asia. Okay, and the whole world is divided into these three countries in this sort of um, imaginary future, and um, all of them are sort of modeled after. Stalinist Russia, Stalinist Soviet Union, okay? So they're really horribly oppressive, awful places where one of the main goals is to police not just your actions, but your thoughts. So uh, there's a, the main character is a guy named Winston Smith, and um, Winston Smith is trying to navigate this world where even his thoughts can get him in trouble. So I wanna read a section of, of, of the book for you. Um, Winston is in this particular moment, doing required calisthenics with somebody on the TV. Um, So he's in his home, but he's doing calisthenics on the TV with somebody who can see him, which is eerily familiar to what we're doing right now. And um, he's um, thinking about the news of the day, right? So he says, um, if the party, which is of course, the political party that's running uh, Oceania, the country in which he lives, if the party could thrust its hand into the past and say of this or that event, it never happened. That surely was m- more terrifying than mere torture and death. The party said that Oceana had never been in alliance with Eurasia. He, Winston Smith, knew that Oceana had been in alliance with Eurasia as short a time as four years ago. But where did that knowledge exist? Only in his own consciousness in which any case must soon be annihilated. And if all others accepted the lie which the party imposed, if all records told the same tale, then the lie passed into history and became truth. Who controls the past, ran the party slogan, controls the future. Who controls the present, controls the past. And yet the past, though of its nature alterable, never had been altered. Whatever was true now was true from everlasting to everlasting. It was quite simple. All that was needed was an unending series of victories over your own memory. Reality control, they called it, and new speak, and new speak double think. Uh, so it's a fascinating book um, with a, a lot of really interesting ideas like double think. Um, and the the premise of it is, in this particular section is that truth has to be something the state controls, right? The state will tell you what is true and what is not. And even though you remember four years ago, things were going in this particular way, um, you know, this sort of communist Stalinist state is gonna tell you, no, that's not really what happened. You're expected to believe that your memories are wrong and the government is right, okay? So that's what's going on in in this sort of horrible future that Orwell imagines. Um, and it's, it's quite literally a war on truth, right? He's, he's quite literally saying truth is what we tell you it is, right? Truth is what we tell you it is. Uh, the idea of double think um, is a, a word that Orwell c- coins in this book. It's a really interesting idea, right? It's this idea that we can have two completely contradictory ideas in our head and recognize at the same time that they are contradictory and still believe them both, right? So he talks about Um, uh, uh, I'll just read this one other section. He says, um, to know and to not know, to be conscious of complete truthfulness while telling carefully constructed lies, to hold simultaneously two opinions which canceled out, knowing them to be contradictory and believing in both of them, to use logic against logic, to repudiate morality while laying claim to it, to believe that democracy was impossible and that the party was the guardian of democracy to forget whatever it was necessary to forget and then draw it back into memory again at the moment when it was needed and then promptly forget it again. This was the ultimate subtlety. Even to understand the word doublethink involved the use of doublethink. Uh, So he imagines this future, right? Where truth is whatever they tell you it is and where you have to constantly be readjusting your brain to say, huh, what is truth today? What is truth today? Because um, I'll, I'll be told what it is. Really an interesting sort of horrible future, right? Um, but I think, you know, if we think about what the, the our spiritual enemy is looking for, right, that's right up his alley, right? He would love to be able to tell us what is and isn't true. Um, I, the Bible says Satan's the father of lies, right? Um, so... I I believe that um, we are nowhere near 1984 in our world today, Um, but I believe that idea of saying um, we want to control what truth is, is something that we struggle with, right? In our culture today and most cultures. uh, And in fact, was something people argued about in Jesus's day, right? Who gets to tell you what truth is? Um, Who gets to make truth claims? And and I think one of the challenges for us in our culture today is um, that we have Um, we have multiple kinds of truth claims or or, um, different kinds of dishonesty. And and there was a time, I think when, um, maybe, and I realize I have a tendency, we all have a tendency to glamorize the past. There was a time I think where um, dishonesty had to be careful on the part of, of powerful forces, right? Governments or corporations or individuals or religions, whatever. You had to be careful about your dishonesty. Yes, I will lie about my affair, right? Because I got to hide that. But in general, I'm going to try to be pretty pretty um, honest because I might get found out. And and I think we've moved more into an era in our country where we can be casual about our dishonesty, right? Where we can say things that um, we, we we know aren't true and can be sort of easily disproven, but we're still going to say them anyway. So l- let me give you an example. Um, I think Um, When I was in college, I'm going to say that was the same era we're in now. I know that was a long time ago. But when I was in college, um, I was uh, an English and history double major. And I realized one day that I had taken all these classes, like a a, a couple of of female authors classes, a couple of women in history classes, whatever else. I was one class away from a women's studies minor, right? Because all these classes were cross-listed. The one class I needed was the core introduction to women's studies. I so, said, well, this is great. I'll, I'll get an extra minor thrown into the works here. And so I, I signed up for the core class, Introduction to Women's Studies. And the first book that was assigned on the first week was a book called um, Sexing the Body. And, and I read this book and, the, and the, the thesis of the author was that there are five biological sexes, not male and female as you guys all crazily once imagined, but five biological sexes, not genders, which we think of as culturally constructed, right? You might say like you're gay or straight or whatever else. No, biological sexes, right? There's boys, there's girls, and then there's three other ones. I don't know what the three other ones were. Um, and we read this book, and then we, and we discussed it for a week in class. And then I dropped the class, right? Because I said, that's, I'm sorry, but that's nonsense, right? I, I, I know this to not be true, right? I know it to not be true that there are five different biological sexes in humanity. And and yet here I was um, with a tenured professor in a core course in and in a relatively reputable university um, being taught something that I just thought was completely untrue. Um, and and that idea that, that we can, um, Sort of had that oh I, I guess I call it casual dishonesty, right that you know I, I know you could probably disprove this, but we 're going to tell you it's true anyway um, is to me part of this general idea that we are we are a culture that struggles with truth right um, and and where we find it and how we define it, uh, and who gets to tell us what is and isn 't true um, and I think we 're also in an era um, where there is the opportunity for massive misinformation right so um, uh, because we have social media, because we have the internet, because we have all these sources, everybody and their mother can get a blog or a Twitter account or whatever else, and things spread everywhere super fast, right? And so we can, we can get untruth out there really, really effectively. Uh, so I, I think this is a real challenge for us, and I think we all on a daily basis sort of perceive this, right? Which voices do we trust? Um, which news programs do we listen to? Um, which politicians are telling us the truth or not the truth, which pastors are telling us the truth or not the truth, right? Which religions are, uh, and we are constantly trying to figure out what's true and what's not. So uh, I I think this is not a new idea or a new problem. Uh, And I think Jesus addresses it um, pretty regularly in the context of his ministry. Um, So if you've got a Bible, I'm going to ask you to open up to John chapter 18. John 18. Uh, And this is Jesus on trial Before Pilate. Remember that Pilate is the Roman um, governor of sorts. And uh, after Jesus is arrested, he goes first to the Jewish religious leadership, but they don't have the authority to execute him. um, And they want him executed, so they send him to the uh, Roman authority, Pilate. And they have this really interesting conversation. So I'm going to pick up with verse 33 of chapter 18. Then Pilate entered the headquarters again what is truth after this he went out to the jews again and told them i find no case against him okay um so i, I think this is a, a a foundational passage in the gospel of john right anytime jesus says let me tell you why i came you should perk your ears up and listen especially carefully so um i, I want to ask you um to just for a couple minutes in, in, in small groups um To answer uh, two, I think it's just two questions, right? Yep, yep, two questions. Um, Jesus, uh, Pilate asks, what is truth? So I want you and your little discussion groups to try to answer that, right? What is truth? And then um, how does Jesus claim to relate to truth? What's the connection between Jesus and truth? Okay, Um, so Joel, maybe we could give people like three or four minutes. Sure. and then we'll call everybody back, okay? So what is truth, and how does Jesus claim to relate to it, okay? okay. so I'm, uh, I'm curious about the answer to this first question. It's not an easy question, right? Um, what is truth? Um, what, what, did, what did people come up with when you talked about what is truth? Be brave. What is actual? Okay, what is actual? What actually is and happened? Okay, good okay that so it takes some judgment of discern truth yep okay love it others it's different things to different people ah ooh so this is a really interesting point the comment is it's different things to different people um, and so then my follow up question would be is is um truth different or is the perception of truth different like like I might go back tomorrow and say to all of you, "What color tie did I wear yesterday?" And some of you might say blue, and some of you might say gray. Um, but if we go back to the video, you'll know that I was wearing a blue tie, right? And so there is a there is a right answer to that question. That's a gray tie. Well, except for he says it's gray, so I don't know. <laughs> I could be colorblind. Okay, good. What, what else? What what else? Any other thoughts about what is truth? Everybody's lifestyle is also awesome. okay, relates to lifestyle. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, we talked a little bit about you know sources of truth, but we talked about the Bible, we talked about science as sources of truth, and then we talked about the fact that you can misinterpret the Bible. And, and science is con- the whole idea of science is that it's constantly reevaluating, and so sometimes it's I I use the example of something that's good to drink milk when I was a kid. Then I was told it was bad to drink milk as a kid. Then I was told it was good again to drink milk as a kid because science is always changing, right? Okay. Um, I, I think this is a really interesting question that Pilot asks, and I got to tell you when I was a kid and I read this, I thought, well, Pilot's just a jerk and he's being difficult. But it actually is interesting what what constitutes truth. So um, I I don't have the answer. I have a answer. Huh? Oh, that's funny. Um. And I wrote down that truth is um, the the fundamental set of objective facts um, that exist beyond anyone's ability to alter them. Um, The problem is um, defining what those facts are is really hard. Who gets to say what those are? And so that's when I want to get to the question about sources of truth, right? Who gets to say what the fundamental objective facts are? And and for me, that's what Jesus comes to do, right? Jesus comes to say, um, I, I came to testify to the truth. Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. Um, so Jesus is the the source of our truth filter, right? I mean, he's the one who who gives us fundamental truths about who God is and who we are and how we live and should live. But he also was the filter by which I, I kind of go through other things. Um, let me just give you a, a simple, silly example. So um, I, I know that for uh, since the 1950s, UFOs have been a big thing, right? And people are really into unidentified flying objects, and maybe there's aliens on other planets and who knows. Um, And of course, we have no actual data one way or another. But I filter something as, as silly as UFOs through the lens of Jesus. And I say to myself, well, there could be. Nothing in the Bible says there can't be life on other planets. That's fine. But I believe everybody needs Jesus to be saved. I believe that no one can be perfect. And that means that if there are people on some other planet, they need Jesus to be saved too. So either I have to get to their planet and tell them about Jesus, or they need to get here so I can tell them about Jesus. But barring that, there can't be people on other planets, right? Because God can't make perfect people, and he's not going to make people on a planet where they literally can't find out about him because they're on the wrong earth, right? Um, So, I mean, I take really basic things... That, that sound silly, the news, like UFOs, and, and for me, it comes back to Jesus, right? How does that relate to the story of Jesus, and how does, how does Jesus filter that um, to help me discern truth, right? Um, so uh, uh, I want to talk a little bit about just kind of what well, we're going to go through this fast, because I'm, I'm behind, um, about what is truth, and um, let's do this. Okay, so we mentioned last week, I'm not going to get into this in detail now, but we mentioned last week Um, In one of our videos, there was a quote that said, fake news spreads 60% faster than real news. Um, And and that was a comment about social media. And and the point was that um, if you're Facebook or Twitter or whoever, you have some metrics on how fast certain things begin to trend, how many times they get liked or forwarded or whatever. Um, And what those big social media companies have found is that the more exaggerated crazy things that aren't true get shared and they start trending much faster than normal boring True things, okay. Um, uh, the, the, the fake news in general question is really interesting to me. And I wanna talk about it in, in a minute. Um, I, I think one of the challenges for us in terms of sources of truth uh, in, in our country is that um, after Watergate, Um, We started losing a lot of, just from a historical perspective, as a nation, we lost a lot of trust in our institutions, right? We got to a point where we said, well, we don't know if we can trust the government. We're not sure if we can trust the news. We're not sure if we can trust all these things that, you know, we we had previously thought were very trustworthy. Um, uh, and, And so that kind of begins an awareness that these institutions that we'd like to think of as neutral weren't really neutral, They really have an agenda. Of course they have an agenda, right? Um, So I have this little spectrum. um, I call it, I I think I made this up. Uh, (laughs) I call this a spectrum of bias, okay? And um, what I wanna point out is that all humans and all human organizations have bias, right? By which I mean like, you know, we believe some things and it affects how we process and how we think about things. So on one end of my little spectrum of bias, um, I have um, biased, but striving for objectivity. And on the other end, I have biased and wholly uninterested in objectivity. So what do I mean by that? I mean, um, there may be some folks who have a legitimate bias. You know, I'm, um, we'll, we'll use political terms because it's, it's just easier to think about. I am, um, a, I'm a newspaper person and I accline to this particular political party, right? And so when I vote, I usually vote for this particular party as this newspaper person and I'm out there reporting on the news. And it is true that I I incline this way, right or left, and I'm reporting on news, and that's gonna affect how I report a little bit, right? But on some level, I am aware of my bias, and I'm trying really hard to not let it filter through too much, right? I'm trying really hard to be objective, to just report the facts, right? Does that make sense? That's, That's one end of the spectrum. I'm recognizing there is no one without bias, Right? there's nobody who just says, I'm only reporting the facts. I don't care what the facts are. But I can try to be that. Or I can be the other end of the spectrum. The other end of the spectrum is saying, um, I'm biased. I don't care if I'm objective. I don't care um, about trying to just say the facts and pull out my opinion. I want my opinion up front and center. And it's going to affect how I see facts and what facts I tell, what facts I um, believe. And I'm totally comfortable with that. Those are two very different ways of processing the world, um, of reporting the news, of um, talking and thinking about religion or politics or whatever else. Um, I I have a personal preference between them, but I'm not sure that one is always better than the other, but it's super helpful to know from what perspective someone is coming, right? Um, I can be biased and striving for objectivity and still tell lies, right? on purpose or by accident. And I can be biased and uninterested in objectivity and still tell truth, right? Um, Whether on purpose or by accident. Um, But nobody's neutral, right? Nobody comes to the party and says, I don't care how the world works, right? Everybody cares. Everybody has some opinion they're coming from. Uh, So, I guess my biggest concern in this spectrum um, is when we get too far on the side of uninterested in objectivity, um, we, we can get to a point where we don't care about the truth um, except as it benefits me, right? And, and this is, I guess, I guess I do have a, a bias about bias, but this is, I guess, where I get worried, right? Where I, I, where I tell the truth when it's convenient and I don't when it's convenient, right? This is like your typical, Middle school kid, right? <laughs> like, I, yeah, I try to be honest when it works out for me. When it's not, I, I'll tell a lie because I want to get out of trouble. Um, and, and I think this is a this is a challenge for us um, when we get in a situation where we lose our devotion to truth. We lose our devotion to some idea that there is an objective reality we're trying to capture. Okay. Um, so um, that's sort of my spectrum of bias. Um, and, and just very briefly on that I, I, on that, I want to talk about the value of overt versus covert bias. Um, and what I mean by that is some folks are right out there in front of you saying, let me tell you what I, where my bias is, and then I'll tell you what I think. Right? Um, and some folks say, you know, I'm not going to tell you what my bias is, but I will tell you what I think. Right? So again, for example, um, I am obviously a Christian pastor. Right? If somebody comes to me and talks about religion, I'm not going to pretend that I don't care what religion they end up being. I'm not going to pretend that I don't have an agenda, which is to convert them to following Jesus Christ and, and him becoming their Lord and Savior. Right? Um, I have an overt bias. I want you to become a follower of Jesus. And I'll have the conversation with you, but my bias is right out there for you to see. Um, if you go to a counselor and you're struggling with religion, that counselor probably has a covert bias, right? She or he probably has an opinion about religion, but they're sort of in a situation where they're not supposed to express that opinion. They're supposed to just help you process on your own. Does that make sense? Um, Again, I'm not sure that there's a a better or worse uh, in terms of overt or covert bias, but it's really helpful for me to think about. So when I watch the news, I often think, does this person have an overt bias, right? Are they just, right, honestly saying, hey, this is the way we vote and let me tell you what news we want you to hear? Or do they have a covert bias, right? I'm, I'm trying not to tell you which way I'm going to vote and here's the news, right? Um, and for me, thinking that through is really helpful. Yeah, Brett. Well, it's very interesting what's going on right now with the uh, information of who's going to be there. Yes. And how she's trying, you know, one side of the aisle is trying to get her to tell how she decides on one issue or another, and she said, I don't have any agenda, and following the wall. Yeah, okay, fantastic example. So um, we're talking about the Supreme Court nomination that's going on right now. And and actually, um, I've I, I limited experience with this, but my, my, my recollection is that what's happening with um, Judge Barrett is similar to what happens with most judges, right? The party can flip, but the experience is the same. Um, where the, the party that is not the same party as the president is trying to convince the judge to make positional statements, right? What do you think about these issues? And the judge usually comes back and says, well, I, I don't have opinions of those issues when I'm a judge, I judge a case, an individual case. And so I'll look at the merits of that particular case. Um, and so that, that's exactly what we're talking about, right? It's you know, overt versus covert. So the politicians have overt bias, and the justices are supposed to have covert bias, and one isn't better than the other, but but sometimes they're more appropriate and different. So we don't want a judge with overt bias, right? We don't want a judge that says, "Yep, anytime there's an issue, I'm going to be a, a Republican vote in the Supreme Court." Nobody wants that, right? Um, and nobody wants a politician with covert bias, right? You'll never know what I think about the issues, but vote for me because I'm a nice guy. Well, no, I'm not <laughs> going to do that, right? Yeah. <laughs> There's also a bias where people don't realize that they have a bias. Ah, fantastic. So um, there's a third component I didn't mention that Lois just pointed out. Sometimes there's an, you have an unaware bias, right? I don't even realize, I'm not self-aware enough to realize that I'm biased in these ways. Ooh, I, that's really good. So, um, yeah, I, I might be, I mean, I, this happens all the time, right? Where we, we talk about an issue and I don't even realize that the way I'm coming across is really from a position that I just assumed everybody had or didn't realize I had. Yeah, fantastic. That's Depends great. on what color your tie is. Depends on what color your tie is. Mine is blue. Blue, Herb. It's blue. Okay. Um, great. So, I guess uh, we're having truth claims here. So, um, I guess I want to point out that, you know, the, the challenge of, of even defining truth in our era, right? And, and this is why I think Jesus is so important. Because figuring out what truth is, is unbelievably foundational to our spiritual lives, to our daily lives, everything that we do. Um, So uh, we got time for this. This is great. So Jesus, um, and we're going to, we already mentioned John 14, 6, um, where Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. But in John 8, um, verses 31 and 32, if you want to flip in your Bible to that, you can. Jesus is in a long conversation um, with the people after um, he's he's in uh, Jerusalem, he's Um, giving that sermon where he says, I'm the light of the world. And then in verse 31, um, then Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, if you continue in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. I know we're just pulling two verses out of a larger chapter, but they're really interesting. I'm going to read them again. Then Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you continue in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Um, Okay, um, relatively quickly, uh, maybe in like three minutes, I know it's not very much time, I'm going to ask you to go to your small groups again. I want you to try to think about three questions, okay? Um, To whom is Jesus speaking? What does Jesus say about how we will know truth? Um, And... How is truth connected to freedom? So um, one more time, if you don't have a Bible in front of you, then Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, if you continue in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So to who is Jesus talking? What does he say about how we will know truth? And how is truth connected to freedom? Okay, i to give you three minutes for those, and we're going to come back. Um, what, um, what you guys said, uh, so... Uh, I I think the first one everybody got, right, to whom Jesus is speaking. I heard he's speaking to the Jews. He's speaking to people that are following the faith of Abraham. There is an interesting line. He says, to the Jews who had believed in him. So he's also speaking to Jews that are favorable towards him, right? These aren't necessarily just people that are opposed to him. They believe in him in some sense. Um, um, What about, um, how do we know, what does Jesus say about how we know truth? Just in this passage, what what does he say that helps us come to know truth? Any ideas? Obey my teachings. What'd you say? Obey my teachings. Okay, I love it. Obey my teachings. So Jesus is pretty clear. Um, verse, verse 31 says, if you continue in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So he doesn't say, hey, here's a 10-point plan. Believe in this 10-point plan, and you'll be set free, right? He's saying, knowing the truth is connected to, to being my disciple right? To following my teachings with your life. So it's not like a, you know, a, a quick exchange of information that will set you free, right? It's, it's, it's a life of discipleship to Christ that will set you free. Um, and we had a little conversation about how freedom and, and um, truth are connected. We were just saying in, in my small group that, um, you know, Herb said, well, the Bible talks about being a slave to sin and anything that, that becomes more central in your life than god um sort of takes over control whether that's a good or a bad thing um part of the truth that sets us free is a recognition that jesus is supposed to be our center right he's the one we follow not work not success not drugs not just jesus right um and and there's freedom and understanding that he's supposed to be the center and not somebody else um uh, okay uh, I really want to spend more time on that, but I, but I got to keep going. So I'm gonna I'm gonna plow forward for a minute. I want to just briefly um, a couple of thoughts, and then i want to get into um, some advice for us. So it's significant for me that even Jesus struggled to persuade people to the truth. Okay, so here we are talking about in our world um, how many different voices there are, all the different biases we have, all the different challenges of what is and isn't true. Um, you know the the 1984 extreme, but has some relevance in our world, right? That that lies are everywhere, and there is there is a, an effort to change what is true and isn't true. Um, this wasn't this isn't easy for us. It wasn't easy for Jesus, right? Uh, and if you read all of chapter eight, or all of chapter 18, or really any part of the Gospels, you're going to run into people that encounter Jesus and are not persuaded that he's telling the truth. Okay, um, so um, the first thing I want to say is this isn't supposed to be easy, right? If it was easy, um, everybody would have believed Jesus, right? It it takes some work to discern truth, to move towards truth. But I think he has, um, even in the scriptures we just read tonight, some tools for us that can help us in our personal lives um, and as a people to to, um, move towards truth, right? Um, So I I have just three ideas I want to talk about tonight, and I want to do this fast enough so that you guys can discuss them a little bit in groups as well um so i think the, the first thing is um that jesus calls us to establish a foundation um anybody ever played the game jenga Jenga's like a, a block building game right i should have brought my jenga game and there's all these cross stitched pieces of wood you have to pull them out and put them on top and if you're if you're lucky you pull it out and it doesn't fall over And if you're unlucky you pull out the wrong one and the whole tower comes crashing down right um I think um, part of the challenge of faith is to figure out what are those foundational truths um, that, we, that if we move, the tower will come crashing down. So if you go back, if you have more time later today, and you go back and read uh, the eighth chapter of John, for example, and we just read verses 31 and 32, if you read the whole thing, one of the things that becomes apparent is that there's no foundational truths that Jesus and his audience share. Okay, so Jesus talks about who his father is, and they have no idea what he means. And he talks about who their father is, and they have no idea what he means. And he talks about who he is, and they have no idea what he means. Um, there, there's no common ground, right? There's no foundational truths that his listeners share with him. And, and so actually what Jesus is trying to do is pull out um, a foundational piece and make their tower fall, right? I mean, he's trying to say, all right, we're not in a, a small change situation, right? I got to knock down your Jenga and we got to start over because you don't understand foundational truths about who God is and who I am, right? Um, so part of the work that we have to do, I think, when we're when we're pursuing truth in Christ is we have to make sure that we have the right foundation, right? Um, what are those foundational truths about who Christ is, who God is, who we are that we build upon? And once you have them, you keep them, right? But sometimes it requires us to tear down some of the stuff that we've built up over the years to make room for those things Jesus is telling us is true about who we are and who he is. Okay, so the first thing is, uh, in discerning truth, we've got to have some foundational truths. Um, The second thing is, we have to spend time in pursuit of truth. And and this is really basic, but but I think really important. Um, I think we have this idea that truth should be obvious and easy, right? I'll just tell you what's true, and we'll all know it, we'll move on. Um, and it's even more complicated in our world today with our technology, because they well, here's a picture, here's a video, here's a whatever. Now you know the truth. You saw the recording. Right? And, and I'm just not sure the truth is always that simple. So again, when Jesus talks to the disciples in chapter 8, he says um, that if you continue in my word, you'll know the truth, right? If you keep working on it. Um, another one of my favorite passages is in um, Proverbs chapter 2, where the author says, Uh, My child, if you accept my words and treasure up my commandments within you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, if indeed you cry out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Uh, the point here is you've got to work for it, right? It's not handed to you, tied up in a bow. Um, truth is something, especially truth about God, but truth in every area of our life, something that we have to work at pursuing. Um, uh, and, and, and so this, this can be as basic as, you know, if you're, in, um, if you're listening to the news and you hear something um, that sounds pretty dramatic, my first response is, boy, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to check three or four other places to see if other people are saying the same thing, right? Um, I heard a story this week um, about a, a, a mayoral candidate in Portland who's not a Democrat or a, or a Republican. She's an independent who um, wore a skirt with pictures of Mao Zedong and Che Guevara and Joseph Stalin on it. And apparently, and she is, and she was leading in the polls in, for the Portland mayoral race. And I, I heard that, and I thought, that is so crazy to me. I mean, Joseph Stalin uh, killed more people than Hitler, right? That, that's so crazy to me that anyone would put a picture of Joseph Stalin on their skirt in America and walk around with it. But I don't believe that. And I went online, and I looked, and, and I found a whole bunch of other articles that seemed to corroborate it. And I said, oh, unfortunately, I think this is probably true, right? Um, but, but my first response is, boy, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pursue that a little bit, right? Now that was a very unimportant aspect of my day the more important truths need more pursuit right um so spending time in pursuit of truth super important and then the last thing i would mention um uh is is responding to correction well responding to correction well um and uh, i think this is um one of the few places that that jesus jesus can't be an example for us um because jesus doesn't ever respond to correction i just uh, sometimes i think about how hard it would be to be his half brothers and half sisters um and you know we're home with mom and mom says who left the the food out on the table and they say oh i didn't do it so and so did it and someone says oh it was jesus and well i know it wasn't jesus because he's perfect well you always say jesus is perfect well he always is anyway so jesus is perfect Um, but the rest of us aren't right uh so I, i go to proverbs chapter nine um one of my favorite passages in proverbs um beginning with verse seven Um, where the author says, whoever corrects a scoffer wins abuse. Whoever rebukes the wicked gets hurt. A scoffer who is rebuked will only hate you. The wise, when rebuked, will love you. Give instruction to the wise, and they will become wiser still. Teach the righteous, and they will gain in learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. Uh, I love this idea that... um, People that love the truth when they are corrected, when they realize they're wrong, are grateful for the correction, right? Mm-hmm. So um, this is always a really interesting question for me, um, for myself and my own personal life and our world in general. How do we respond to correction, right? When someone comes and says, hey, you're not getting this right, um, do, do we respond saying, oh, I want the truth, and therefore I'm excited that you helped me get this better? Or do I say, no, I'm not interested in the truth. I just want my way, in which case I don't want your correction. Right, makes sense? Okay, so three really important ideas I think um, that help us in this process of discerning truth um, in our world. So here's what I want you to do um, for the next five minutes. I'm gonna ask you to, um, you're not gonna do all these questions, it's fine. I'm gonna ask you to pick one question. So you can look at them all, but pick one that you personally like and the people in person can't read those. So I'm gonna quick do this and then go back here. Okay, Um, so pick one question um, that that resonates with you, okay? So of those three ideas of, of establishing a foundation or spending time in pursuit of truth or responding to correction well, um, pick one of these that, that resonates with you. So the first one is um, on the establish a foundation. What are some foundational truths in your life? Can you think of a time you had to change or replace a foundational truth? So what are some foundational li- truths in your life? Can you think of a time when you had to change or replace a foundational truth? That might be a question you wanna answer. Another question you might answer, think about a time you pursued truth instead of finding it easily. What was that like? How did that truth affect you differently than a truth you accepted without the effort? Okay. Um, And uh, the third question, um, how do you respond to correction? Can you remember a time you got it wrong? What did you do? So I don't need you to answer all those questions. Okay. Just pick one that you're interested in. And in your groups, you can say, "Hey, I I like. I want to talk about the the time I changed my mind about something important that was a foundational truth. I want to talk about the time I responded to correction. I want to talk about the time I worked hard to find out a truth." Okay, Uh, but pick one question you like, and we'll discuss it. And Joel will give you five minutes, and then we'll pull us back. Does that sound good? Okay. Thanks very much. Um, So uh, I hope you had good conversation. I I had great conversation in my group. Um, I, I. These are more personal questions. So I don't know that we need to share um, with the whole group what what you shared in in terms of those personal questions, but um, they're really helpful ones for me as I sort of reflect and think about um, whether I'm pursuing truth or not in my life. Um, I I wanna, I just have, I'm gonna ask your forgiveness to go a couple minutes over. We're not gonna get through everything I had tonight, but I wanna talk briefly about um, how we, since we're in a political season, how we could possibly apply some of these things in a political way as well. So, um, when I think about the idea of establishing a foundation, right, I wanna say um, who else is operating from similar foundational truths to me, and which foundational truths are most important to me, right? So, as I'm thinking about um, what I believe and how I wanna be active in the political world, those are really good questions for me, right? I, I might b- believe in a lot of truths, right, but which ones are most foundational for me, most important for me as I'm making those sort of decisions? Um, I might ask um, if, if I'm engaged in pursuing truth, who out there is also engaged in pursuing truth? I wanna ally with those people, right? We may not even agree on, on the end game, but I wanna be with people um, that are pursuing truth, right, are trying to figure it out. Um, and and. Uh, again, as I'm thinking about who I want to connect with in a political spectrum, who acknowledges mistakes and, and um, responds well when they're wrong? We just talked about um, an individual politician, somebody um, uh, knew who did that really well, right? And boy, that's really admirable for me, right? When somebody can say, hey, you know what? I made a mistake, I'm not perfect, and I'm changing direction, and I'm doing this. Um, this is my hobby horse, because I think in our culture today, we have made it almost a negative when a politician realizes a mistake and changes course, we call it flip-flopping, right? Oh, he or she flip-flopped on whatever. And I wanna say, boy, that, that idea suggests that they were perfect when they ran for office and they knew everything there was possibly to know. And if they change it all, it's because they're of weak character. That's crazy, right? Can't we agree that they weren't perfect when they ran for office? And, and isn't part of what we want in our politicians that when they recognize they were wrong, they say, yep, even if it's not politically um, positive for me, I'm gonna change and do what I think is right. That's really important to me, right? So I'm I'm looking for that. Um, So uh, I I think these things which are relevant in our personal lives are also relevant as we're looking at um, how we structure ourselves as a society. Um, All right, Uh, I was gonna do two more things tonight and I'm I'm gonna have to um, um, skim them and then maybe come back to them next week. But I, I wanted to just give two warnings about truth, right? So we talked a little bit about the, the world in which we live, which, which is um, antagonistic towards truth in a variety of ways. We talked about Jesus's role as sort of the, the center for us when we're trying to figure out what truth is, we come back to Jesus and filter through him. We talked about some tools we use in doing that. Um, I, I recognize that um, there are also two ways we can go wrong in this process. One is just giving up, right? And I. Um, Although I really love Pilate's question about what is truth, I am concerned that what he does in this moment is he gives up. He doesn't keep trying to figure out if Jesus really is who he says he is. He just says, well, it's out of my hands. And he goes to the Jewish religious leaders and says, what do you guys want to do? Right? Um, and, and sometimes we do this, right? We say, boy, I wish I knew what was true about X, Y, or Z, but it's too hard to tell. And I'm just going to give up and wash my hands of it. Um, and, and if we can walk this tightrope of, of saying, I don't have the easy answers, and I'm also not giving up, I'm gonna to try to keep discerning them, even if it takes me um, you know, months or weeks or years to figure out what's true, I think that's better than just throwing in the towel and saying, I don't know, right? which I feel like that's what pilot does. I don't know. Um, and then um, there's two kind of mistakes in that area, right? One is choosing not to know, and one is knowing but not acting, right? So I can say, boy, um, I know that this is an important issue in our culture, but I'd like to not know anything about it. I'd like to stay ignorant. So I'm ignorant, I don't, I, you know, it's just easier for me. Or I can say, well, I know the answer, but I, I don't want to act on the answer, right? And I think both those are wildly problematic. Okay, so, so giving up is not the solution. Um, the other thing, I really want to spend more time on this next week, I guess, um, there's a danger of overdoing it. Um, and, um, you know, we can overdo the pursuit of truth. And that sounds weird, but, but bear with me. Um, in the early Christian world, the, the first heresy was called Gnosticism, or one of the first her- heresies was called Gnosticism. And it was the idea that there's a secret truth in Christianity. And if you know that secret truth, then um, you can be saved. And it's not enough just to believe that Jesus is the Son of God and, and have faith in his name. And it's not enough to just to be, um, accept his sacrifice. You often have to know the secrets, right? And if you stay with me, I'll pass on the secrets, well, that's, that's not Christianity. That's a whole other faith, right? We don't believe that you get in by a secret method. You, Everybody's welcome, right? You just have to trust in Jesus. Um, so th- that's overdoing it, right? That's the pursuit of truth beyond a reasonable thing. So uh, I was going to talk a little bit about co- um, con- conspiracy theories and, and how they lead us away from truth. I just don't have time to do that tonight. Um, so next week, I'll begin by talking a little bit about um, uh what that looks like and and, and how that affects us because we can't do it tonight. Um, The last thing I want to say tonight is um, not only do I have a responsibility to pursue truth in my own life, I have a responsibility to help others pursue truth or persuade others to the truth. And I said earlier that even Jesus struggles with this, right? It's hard even for Jesus. It's going to be harder for us, but here's what doesn't work. Um, Arguing with people to convince them you're right, is not effective, right? It's just not. You've all got personal experience of that. It didn't work for you probably when you tried it. Um, There's all kinds of scientific evidence that says um, the more you argue with somebody, the more likely they are to become entrenched in the position they already have. But it's also true in the Bible, right? Jesus isn't afraid to speak up for truth. But when he does it, when he does these amazing things, these sermons that are so powerful, like his enemies are almost never persuaded. You know what persuades people? Um, when, when, when you show, don't tell, right? When Jesus does a miracle, when Jesus touches the leper, when Jesus raises the dead, when Jesus dies on the cross, right? Um, when people see that he'll talk to um, the people that nobody else talks to, when they see that he has compassion for those that no one else has compassion for, they start saying, this guy isn't like anyone I've ever met before. What is it about him that makes him unique? Maybe he is the son of God uh same thing for us right if we want to persuade somebody about truth you got to show don't tell right and this is especially true when it comes to sharing our faith um i'm not going to argue you into christianity but i might love you in right uh i'm not saying we don't say the gospel clearly right i'm saying that um, it's going to be effective if if i if i if i um, show you the gospel as well right it's, it's got to be both hand. um so uh um Mm. Our responsibility to persuade others to the truth begins with a responsibility to show them truth and not just tell it at them right makes oh, sense right. okay um, I know I'm way over thank you so much for your patience tonight um, any questions before we before we close up that stuff that came up to you that we didn't get to tonight okay come back to me next week because I'm really excited about conspiracy theories and we'll talk about that a little bit next time, okay? It'll be fun. Um, so uh, uh, this is my, my normal thing, right? Um, I, I, is this terribly naive? I recognize that clarity around discerning truth and how to do it is not gonna immediately result in everybody believing all the same things. Um, but I really do believe that if we seek truth rightly, right, if we seek truth in the right way, in a Christ-like way, we will find, we come closer to cr- common ground with others and to a devotion truth beyond ourselves. Um, That's where I think Christ calls us to. Um, Next week, we're going to talk about the power of unity, and we'll be in the 17th chapter of John. Um, Let's close in a prayer. Lord God, we thank you. Uh, We thank you that you sent Jesus, that we might know truth, and that through the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, we could be set free from all that enslaves us to sin and to death. And we thank you, Lord, that Um, the the foundational truths of our lives are rooted in the story of Christ and in his love and who he reveals you to be and who he reveals us to be. Uh, And we pray, Lord, that uh, as we go about our weeks, um, we would be a people devoted to truth. Uh, and we pray, Lord, that you would tear down any any lies that we've been led to believe and establish a foundation of truth in Christ. We pray that you would help us to pursue truth, no matter how much effort it takes, Lord, that we would be willing to work at it and seek it out like silver, like hidden treasure. And we pray, Lord, that you would allow us to be a people who respond to truth well, and when We have made mistakes, when we have sinned, when we have been wrong, um, when we've just made an honest error, Lord, we pray that you'd help us to have the courage to recognize our faults and confess them uh, and and get it right. Uh, And most of all, Lord, uh, we pray that um, we would have the privilege not only of following truth, but of inviting others to follow truth as well, because we know truth's name. And it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen.